Well, when we moved to Washington from Knox County, um, coming to Bethany was an obvious fit for me. The Beans and the Barneses go back three generations. Ben Bean and my dad, Ron Barnes, went to seminary school together. So it was, it was a, a good fit, it was family. We made one visit to the old church and it just, immediately when you walk in the door, you get a genuine welcomeness and it's carried forth into the new building here as well. And, and that's a big part of that growth that we've seen. Well, right off the bat, Matt and I kind of hit it off and I tell people along, a lot of the time, I never would have thought that one of my best friends would be a minister. Um, he, he's willing to put himself out there and, and Evan does the same thing. Not afraid to step on their own toes, step on our toes. I told Matt he can bring him right to the bleeding point and he knows when to stop. But so many times I have something on my mind, come to church that Sunday and, and it's, it's answered or there's, it guides me down the way I need to go with what's on my mind at that time. It's a genuine caring of what's happening and going on in your life and a, a, a prayer and um, just a nurturing too. Small groups come in and play a big part of that. As, as we have grown, it's hard to know everyone, but again, you do get that genuine welcomeness. But I see it as a family, uh, especially when you break down into the small group type of thing, you're not afraid, you know everything's gonna stay right in that room and you can pour your heart out to them and, and they're there for you through thick and through thin. Because we teach biblical principles that apply to modern day living. Um, we stand on the Word, and we hold ourselves accountable to the Word, God's Word. One, as we've invited folks, um, the joy that you get to see when they do attend church, especially in a, a case with us, a small girl, Barb brought her to VBS, and now the entire family is participating, active, uh, serving communion, things like that, and getting goosebumps right now just talking about it. And that's how this church has grown. The congregation reaches out. We're not afraid to invite folks, and that's why these numbers are growing. Once they enter the doors, God takes over. I mean, I brought her, but she brought them. Yeah. So the little child led. <laughs> Heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want to. I want to see Jesus, and I want to see the rest of my family and friends in heaven. So it's important to me not only to to be here worshiping with my family, my church family, but to also um, be an encouragement for my friends and my family in in other places as well. So you know, build the body of Christ. You know, we want to build the church up, we want it to grow, and to do that it takes us spreading the word, inviting folks like we've talked about, and just being part of the growth from the small congregation that we started at the old church to what it's grown to today. And, and again, it keeps that genuineness, um, which is, I think, a huge magnet to what brings folks into these doors. Well, if you're not aware, Jesus had a come and go message. He invited everyone that was broken, that was burdened, and that was stressed out in life, or maybe under religious legalism, to come to him and find rest. Here's how he put it. He said, come to me, all of you who are tired and have heavy loads, and I'll give you rest. Accept my teachings and learn from me, because 
I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you'll find rest for your lives. The burden that I ask you to accept is easy. The load I give you to carry is light. Probably the majority of you in this room, you have come to Jesus, you accepted that invite, and you've made your way to the party, and you're being assured of salvation through Jesus Christ. That's the come part of the message. There's a go side of it, too. And Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, had said to his followers that had come to him, go, come and go to the people of all nations and make them my disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to do everything I have told you. I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. Now, Maybe you not have been a Christian in long. You don't know what that scripture represents. That's the mission of Jesus for us to apply to our lives. We often title it the Great Commission. Sometimes we just call it the Great Go. And now when the first church was established, when the beginnings church was established in the book of Acts, they adopted that mission and they turned it into a lifestyle. And that lifestyle was a, a gather and go lifestyle. That gather and go lifestyle was designed so that they could meet together in large group worship, and then fellowship together in small group fellowship. But all those gatherings were designed so that they would be inspired as they gathered to go out with that life-changing message to the people in their life that were disconnected from God. And today, I'm, I'm really excited about this series of sermons that we're starting here this month. This is um, a series of sermons I've been like wanting to preach for the last three months. I've been holding myself back from from preaching these in previous sermons and making their way within them. I'm, I'm excited about the gatherings we're going to have over the next 21 days or so. And uh, not just the gatherings, but the pressing out, the going. Because this church is a great commission church. Because Jesus has taught us that there are people that are disconnected from God. At one time, you were disconnected from God. I was disconnected from God. Somebody at the gathering decided to go out and to reach us and to ask us to be a part of the greater body of Christ. And we found salvation. And we came, we come to the invitation of Jesus. And now God's saying, would you go? All you who've come, would you now go? Because there are spiritually lost people all around us. Now, I didn't, I didn't give it that term. I didn't give people who are lost that term. God did. God called people that are disconnected from him lost. And I think it's interesting why he did that, because anything that's lost is valuable. Have you recognized that? You don't search for something that isn't valuable. And God says, I am in the search for those people that are disconnected from me. And I've sent my son to search them out and to search their hearts. And part of the gathering that we're a part of today and gatherings like small groups is to be inspired to gather to go. And uh, what you're going to find over the next few weeks here at church is we've adopted this mission, this mission that comes from the Great Commission. That is, uh, we get lost people saved, we get uh, saved people pastored, we get pastored people trained, and we get trained people mobilized to go reach more lost people. And if you're not aware of this, there's people in your circle of influence, there's people in your life, your workplace, within your own home, uh, your friend group that are, that are disconnected from God. And God looks at them and said, they're lost. And you're not, but they're lost. And I just want you to think through something real quick. You have the power within a simple invite to introduce them to a God that has been searching for them, but they've been running from him. And in that quick, simple invite, you could radically change the trajectory of their life. A life that's bound now for heaven rather than a life that was condemned to hell. Uh, from like the seventh grade till about my, my sophomore year of high school, 
uh, I rode my bike to school. Now, around here, I guess that's like kind of geeky. But uh, when you grow up in Southern California, that's just what all the kids did. We would meet at this crossroads in the neighborhood, and we'd kind of link up together, and there'd be a mob of us riding like the Hell's Angels now through the, through the neighborhood. And uh, we'd just be pedal powering all the way to school. And I didn't know all the kids that were in that pedal power group, but uh, one of them, I would eventually become my, my, my very best friend. And I, I just didn't know that was going to happen. Um, for a long time in that, in that group, I, I thought his name was Philip. Because as we took Spanish class, he was in my Spanish class, and the teacher, for whatever reason, assigned him the Spanish name Felipe. And so for like months, I called him Philip until he finally had enough nerve to say, you idiot, my name is James. And then I'm like, okay. Uh, And one of the things I found out about James over the course of time after I got his name right, and he felt like he could open up his heart, was that as a young boy, his his dad had died uh, from cancer, and then his mother had the same cancer. It was from an industrial accident. And uh, she got the same cancer, and she died also when he was very young. And he had to move in with his aunt and his uncle and his cousins. And, and uh, he, he wasn't really a fan of his aunt and uncle. And um, I remember I'm thinking, man, I, 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 this guy, do you go to church, James? I, I wondered that for a long time, never had the nerve to, to ask. And then one day at, at youth group, uh, one of my favorite youth pastors by the name of Jason French, he's now the president of a group called CIY, or Christ in Youth, the, he challenged us. He had all these Coke bottles. He handed out like hundreds of Coke bottles to the youth group. And he said, listen, I want you to do something with this bottle. I want you to assign a name of someone that's disconnected, lost from God. And I want you to invite them to church. And then over the course of time, I want you to lead them to Christ so that they'll give themselves up and start serving the Lord and be baptized into Christ. I'm thinking, I don't have a clue how to do that. Like, that's like so far, I, how do I lead someone to Christ, Jason, right? He's like, just, okay, just invite them to church, and then they'll hear the gospel message, and that will change their life. I thought that's easy enough, so I assigned James as my Coke bottle, and we were asked to put it in the refrigerator, and every time we opened the refrigerator, we'd be reminded of that person, and every time I did, I'd be reminded of James, and, and so like every day, you know, the tenacity of, of a high schooler, I'd ask James as we pedaled to school, you want to come to church with me this weekend? And he'd say, no, and then a month would go by, James, would you like to come to church with me this week? No, and he'd, he, he wasn't mean about it, he just, he just was never interested, he just never cared, it wasn't a part of his life, and so Every month, every week would go by, and I'd ask the same question, would you come to church? And the same reply would be given, no, I'm not going to go. Uh, underneath your chairs is a bag. And I'm asking you to get that bag out. It's going to cause a lot of noise here, but get that bag out. In that bag is a Coke bottle for you to take home, uh, but don't drink it. Don't, op- don't open it up and drink it. We've got some challenges for you. And also a devotional that says, who's your one in it? Sounds like it's raining. <laughs> Those bottles are to re- represent the very same thing that I was challenged with as a high schooler. Over the course of this sermon, we're going to try to define the one. The one that's in your life that's disconnected from God and so desperately needs to hear an invite from you to join this party that God has invited you and others to. And also in that bag is this devotional. Now the bottle is to represent that person that's disconnected. This devotional or this reading guide is so that we'll be on the same page as we start this today and we'll be reading together so that God will begin to mold our hearts together. God will begin to break down the hard hardness we might have to people that are lost and far from God and that that we'll start to see the power of our influence and the power of an invitation 
and how it can change the course of someone's life. Now, if you're a small group leader, if you're in small groups, at the back of this book is all your small group discussions that are there. Um, But we want to start that book today. And I want to help you today as a pastor. My job is to help you define who your one is. Now, all this comes down to this culminating weekend on September the 16th, where over the next 21 days, next 21 days, you're to discover your one, pray for your one, and invite your one to come to church with you on September the 16th. Are we catching this? And I know this is scaring the tar out of some of you right now. We're going to talk about how God's given you the power to do this, to be bold in nature to do this. And you just don't know about it yet, but, but you've got it in you to do this. And September the 16th, we know that there's going to be like an anticipated increased attendance. So you're, going to have to, you're just going to have to bear with me. We, we don't know when we're going to add another service to this weekend, but we know we have to. Uh, it's the same weekend as the car show, so it's probably not going to be on Saturday night. Uh, maybe a Monday night, maybe a Sunday night. If you have some good ideas, throw them down on your card. But that doesn't mean we're going to go with them. All right? Just throw them down on your card, though. But my job today is to help you to define that one. I, I want you to use this Coke bottle to put, put in a place in your home, maybe a refrigerator, that has assigned a name to it, like James, that you say, every time you open up the refrigerator, I'm going to pray for that person. Every time I open up the refrigerator, I'm going to remember to, to invite that person to come with me. I'm going to care for that person. And here's what's staggering about this. While a lot of you are nodding, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, only about 20% of us in this room do that. We invite people to church with us. That means that 80% of us say, you know what? I'm just not going to... I'm not going to risk it. I'm just not going to, I'm not going to invite anybody. I'm not going to invite a coworker or family. I just, I'm done with that. Uh, and, and you know what's ironic about that? About 82 out of 100 people, 82 out of 100 people will say yes to an invitation if they're asked to come to church. Did you hear that? 82 out of 100 people will say yes to your invitation if you invite them to church. Man, you got the, uh, if you're going to go gamble at the boat, that's some pretty good odds, Right? I'm saying the odds are in your favor here. Here's how Jesus summed up his ministry. I want you to catch this. Luke 19, he said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek them out and to save them. And then Jesus reiterates that message because you know the church is to be the lost and found department, right? Did you know that? The church is God's lost and found department. It's not a museum for saints. It's a a hospital for sinners. And Jesus reiterated that that same mission before he ascended up into heaven. And then he added a promise for folks like you and me that are timid in sharing our faith. He said, but you will receive, what's the word? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, every believer has the Holy Spirit within them. It's guaranteed. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem. That's the city, Judea. That's the region, Samaria. That's the greater region and the ends of the earth. So it's like a ripple. God says, you're gonna start here And it's going to begin to to go out from that moment. You're going to gather together and then you're you're going to spread. You're going to get. You're going to go with this message. And here's the promise. That promise is the Holy Spirit. And so as you start this this process of thinking about who's your one and defining who's your one. And and then now you, you have to be bold and extend an invitation or tell them your story of some kind. Or tell them about the hope that you have. You're going, I don't have the words. Like no one's prepped me for this. No, you don't have the words, but you have the Spirit. And you got to rely on God's spirit in your life, not just on yourself. And as you step out in faith, I guarantee you, friend, that the spirit of God is going to speak up on your behalf. And you may not know what words you're going to say. God's spirit's going to give them to you. You may not know about the boldness or the moment. God's spirit is going to give you the boldness and the moment to speak up. Listen, I'm here to tell you that the mark of a great church is not in its seating capacity. The mark of a great church is in its sending capacity. 
And friends, we want to be a congregation that is a gather and then go congregation. Not just a place that has a ton of seating capacity for people to gather. We want to be a, a place that sends, a place that sets people free to go. And I think that's part of the reason why we have a heartbeat to get into Vincent's and to start a satellite campus here in the next year. Is we, we, we know that we need to be a gathering and going place. And we know there's some of you in this room that you have um, a passion for the people that live in that area. Your heart just beats for them. You've recognized that there is a darkness, a spiritual darkness in that city. And you're saying, I don't want that anymore for that city. That's my hometown. Or maybe there's a proximity there for you. Because some of you said, are, are, are we going to be kicked out and forced to go? No, you're not. You're not going to be kicked out. But we just know there's people that have a heartbeat for Vincennes. And we know that there is a huge harvest ready to, for God's kingdom to be expanded there. And so right now we're partnering with a church in Illinois called uh, Highlands Church of Christ in Robinson, Illinois. And right now he's preaching that Shane Bopp, who is their preacher, what a great name, Shane Bopp. He's preaching over there and he's telling them, right, that they're, they're partnering with Bethany Christian Church. That's a, that's a, a, a church in Illinois. And, and so we're going to go in this endeavor together. We're going to be the leads in it. But we know that God has called us to go. We, here, listen, the Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion. And we understand that it's going to cause a lot of sacrifice from us because there is so much at stake. Every person you meet is a living soul that is either destined for heaven or destined for hell, a destined with an eternity with God or destined eternity without God. Friends, the urgency is real here. And the urgency for you to start defining who this person is in your life that's disconnected from God is very real so that you can invite them to come and be a part of a service that will have a life-changing message with life-changing testimonies. There's urgency here to get people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and to invite them with intention. It's a matter of eternity, a matter of eternal consequence. And the Great Commission is not gonna get accomplished on your spare time with your spare change. It's gonna take sacrifice, it's gonna take some strategy, it's gonna take a ton of sweat, and it's gonna take God's spirit at work in our life to accomplish the gains that God has in mind for us. And you've got a job as a Christian, just like I've got a job as a Christian pastor. My job as a Christian pastor is to feed and to lead. Your job as a Christian is to share with others the experience that you have in Christ, what Christ has done with you, and tell everybody, tell the world about the experience that you're having in Christ and the difference that he makes within you, to invite people to this party that God has started. And I love it that when Jesus says that the lost are found, when the lost are found, that God's having a party in heaven. We're going to learn this in the following weeks. Luke 15. Something's lost, something's found, party. Something's lost, something's found, party. Something's lost, something's found, party. God loves the party. And so he has this tremendous idea that when lost people are found, there's going to be a giant celebration. And so to set all that up today, I want you to look at Luke chapter 14 with me because there is a party when the lost are found. And I want to show you how God says to his servants, people like you and me, Go out, invite people to this party. You're invited to the party. Everyone's invited to the party. Just make sure people get there. God says, I want my house full. And as we go through Luke 14, maybe you're someone that underwrites, highlights, whatever you do in your Bible. I want you to underline all the action verbs. I'll, I'll kind of point them out as we go. I want you to underline all the action verbs, all the things that are asked of us. And then I want you to underline some of the things that God says uh, that he desires from his servants um, as we look into this, Luke 14, starting in verse 16, it says, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. That certain man, by the way, is God. He's inviting this great banquet. 
Verse 17, at the time of the banquet, he sent, that's an action verb, he sent his servants, that's you and me, he sent you and me to go and tell those who had been invited, action verb, come, action verb, for everything is now ready. Are you catching this? A lot of action here, right? You're to go, you're to do the inviting, and you're telling them to come because everything is planned and ready. But here's what takes place. Verse 18, but they all begin to make an excuse. Like the first guy says, I just bought a field, I must go, and I gotta see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out, please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Wonder what he's up to. Verse 21, the servant came back and reported this to his master. So they came back and said, oh, everyone's busy. God, no, no one wants, you extended the invitation to this party, but no one wants to come to the party. They all say they're too busy. So the, so the master says that the servant came back, reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered the servants to, action verb, go out quickly. Now you all, okay, no one's coming. You go out quickly. And where should we go? Into the streets and into the alleys. That's like right around the banquet area, right around the church, right around the place where we meet, the building of the towns, and bring in the poor. I love how Matthew's gospel puts it. It says, bring in those who are good and bring in those who are bad. You don't start distinguishing who needs the invite. I love that. God just says, you just invite. You don't determine who gets the invitation. This invitation is for everybody. You just invite. You bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Verse 22, sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Like we went to all the regions around the church building, but there's still room. We still have seats in the front row. We still have some seats here in the second row. Well, there's still some seats. And then the master told the servant, go out, action verb, get out to the roads and the countries and the lanes and compel. You see what he did here? Don't just stay by the building. Get further out into the roads and the country and the lanes and compel them. Speak with some compulsion to come in. So that, I love what God says, so that my house will be full. God wants a full house. And then he says, I'll tell you, not one of those who were invited will get to taste of my banquet. That's sad. That's a sad statement. Like I invited these people and they came up with excuses. One guy says, I, I got a job to do. I got work. I can't, I can't come on Sunday mornings. Another guy says, I'm too busy building up my portfolio and my life and I'm growing my business. I'm just too busy for God. Another, another person says, um, you know, I got family affairs to take care of and, and that outweighs my, my faith affairs. I'm, I'm here to tell you, some people that you will invite, somebody here, your James, your James is going to find some kind of excuse. They're going to find some kind of excuse why they can't come with you on September the 16th. You know what God says? God says, I want a full house. I, I, want, I want you to keep inviting so maybe you need to go further out. Maybe you need to go to a different spot. Maybe you find a different one and invite them to come in with you. God desires a full house and he's trusting all of us to go out and to gather up, invite people to connect with Jesus. And when God says go, never say no. I mean, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. Churches are dying all around the nation because they're saying no when God said go. And friends, the work of the church is not just try to survive the times. That's not the, that's not the work of the church. The work of the church is to thrive in these times. There is no greater time than right now for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be proclaimed and him to be lifted up and exalted. There are hurting people in this world that need a healer like Jesus. And you're, you're not going to win people over 
by just going to church. You're going to win people over by being the church and by becoming Christ to a, a, a Christless culture. And so here's the challenge. The challenge is for you to define who this bottle becomes so that when you open up your refrigerator and you look at it, you say, this is who? I'm going to help you try to discover that. And the goal here today, the challenge is today, to start that, that devotion together with me. We'll start reading through this and letting God work on our heart and exploring who that person is. And I'm sure right now someone's landing on your heart right now, but maybe, maybe they're not. So let me help you to, to figure out who you should invite. So who should I invite? I think I'd just start looking at the people that uh, I spend the most time with, the people that are far from God. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not asking you to go get your Aunt Ethel who goes to the Presbyterian Church every single Sunday and say, hey, I found somebody. Look, we filled the seat. That's not the motives here. The motives are to expand God's kingdom with people who are on a trajectory for hell and not heaven right now. And we're to invite them in and to show them that God wants them a part of this party, but they've got to come to Jesus and accept the invitation. Your motivation matters, so start with a list. Who are the people? Write this down. Who are the people you're close to that just are disconnected from God? I'd say for the majority of you, that person is under roof with you. That's like a spouse that you've been working on for decades, and they've been telling you no, but you, and you've just given up. You've stopped. It's time to re-engage. Maybe it's a child that you said, no, they're so far gone. They don't want anything to do with God. They told me, and just to bring it up, angers them. How about one more try? One more try. You pray for that person. You ask God to soften their heart. One more try. How about an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or parent? And think about those people that you're close to. Who do you spend a lot of time with at work? I mean, you know their heart. They know your heart. I mean, you've shared all kinds of crazy stories together about the weekends and about your kids and how you can't control your kids, how you can't control finances. I mean, you've, you just blathered all over, and they've blathered all over you. And then you know each other. You just don't do anything outside of the workplace. But you know each other. If you're wondering who you need to settle on, think about my people, my places, and my passions. We talked about this about a month ago. As we talked about expanding our influence, who are your people? Who in your family? Who in your workplace? Uh, let's talk about your, your places, like school and work. Those people that you spend a lot of time with. Now, you may not know this, but you're closer to those people at work than you think. Because things draw us together when we're under an authority. When we're under authority and we have struggles and problems together, that either breaks us or brings us together. And you don't know this but you're probably a lot closer to some people at work than you realize. And they know you. They know your work ethic. They know your personality. They know your kids. They know your schedule. They know you better maybe than someone in your own house knows you, like your spouse. I bet you, you show them a little bit of care, a little bit of love, and you, you extend an invitation to them. I bet you they'll say, you know what, I'll be there. I'll be there with you. How about those that you share a passion with? Maybe it's the girls you go coffee with. Maybe it's the guys you go golf with. Maybe it's the girls that you have a play date with. I don't know who these people are in your life. But I'm asking you to start considering and thinking through who's disconnected from God and who you can bring in to hear a life-changing message about Jesus. Because every single person we meet is a soul. Don't ever forget that. And that soul is either bound for heaven or for hell. There's only two destinations at the end of life. And I want you to give this some serious thought, some serious prayer, and I want you to settle on that one, and I want you to start praying for the salvation of that person. That's what the scriptures teach us. Pray for the salvation of people. Listen to what it says here. This kind of prayer is good, and it pleases God our Savior. God wants everyone to be saved. Like, so if you're into this thing like there's only a certain amount of people who get saved, baloney. 
God wants every person to be saved and to know the whole truth, which is there is only one God. And Christ Jesus is the only one who can bring us to God. Jesus was truly human. And he gave himself to rescue all of us. Who needs that rescuing? Who's your one? Start defining that. Now, how should I invite? Okay, well, there's no like clear way. I, I mean, if you're looking for like this pattern, like, well, first you do this, second you do this, that doesn't exist. Uh, interesting enough, when I was doing some research last week, I went on a, a, a wiki how page on how to invite someone to church, which was like step-by-step process. And it was methodical. Don't, don't follow the wiki how page on how to invite someone to church. It's not going to work for you. It's going to come out very sterile. But there's at least four things that you need to have with, within this person's life to have a credible invite to them. So that, that means you're not going to be inviting the cashier at Walmart that you just met and said hi to. And as you walk away, go, oh, by the way, September the 16th, we're having an invite service. Why don't you come? Okay, that's not the idea. Four things at least that you're, you're going to do. You're going to have to commit to prayer. You're going to have to become aware. You're going to have to show you care. And you're going to have to share. No one's writing that down. That was good. Right? Come on now. You're going to have to commit to prayer. You're going to have to become aware. You're going to have to show you care. And you're going to have to share. Still, nobody writing that down. Commit to prayer. This is for the Dustin Smiths of the world. Become aware, A-W-A-R-E. <laughs> Show you care. And share. You know how to do that. Be aware of those people in your life. I mean, you hear what people say. Oh, my kids are having this. Oh, our schedule's so busy. Oh, we're having these financial troubles. Oh, money's getting tight. We just happen to know the one that has answers for those things. We just happen to know. You don't have the answer, but you you know the one who does. Be aware. Care for them. Like, you're going to have to get in this person's world. And I love what Jesus says, like how you can care for people, because this is strange to some. (laughs) Jesus says, Jesus said, you can use your worldly wealth, you know, to gain some friends. Some some of you need that. Like, you have nothing else. You you have a terrible personality. You need some money to gain some friends. And Jesus is like, you can use your worldly wealth to gain some friends. You know, what that, you know what Jesus is saying? Your generosity gains a right in people's life to speak into their life. Have you ever realized that? It doesn't take much. Lunch, a snack at the break room. People go, wow, this person's generous. Use, use these things that God has given you as leverage. And that's what Jesus says. Start caring for people in some ways. Start sharing because people are going to want to know. What, what you're after, you're going to just share your heart. Hey, listen, my heart's been, I've been praying for you over the last couple weeks, man. Preacher gave this message, he stirred my soul, and God's been working on me, Spirit of God's been working on me, and here's what's up. I want you to come church with me on September the 16th. Prayer, be aware, care, and share. Remember how the Apostle Paul told us and, and, and showed, showed us how we should do this? Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. You doing that? You making the most of every opportunity? Let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Invite them to church, and I think here's what would be best. When you say something like, I'll pick you up, let's drive together, let's sit together, and let's do something afterwards together. Now, why should I invite? We talked about who, we talked about how, but why should I invite? Number one, Jesus commanded it. And if it's a follower of Jesus, I want to do what he's commanded me to do. And he said, Matt, go. Not just gather, but 
but go. And he has this expectation on my life that I've been changed by him and I, I, I don't want to keep silent anymore. Do you catch that? That I've been changed by God and I don't want to keep silent anymore. Jesus kind of just expected that of us. And he, I, know this, I know for some of you, this is like a stretch here. Because you're thinking, man, I, to invite somebody, to be that bold in my faith, I'm not sure. You've got the Holy Spirit in your life. And you just say, say, God, would you just give me that spirit to speak? And, and not my words, but your words be done. I think God is far more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. And he wants to develop a character in you. A character that has a ghost spirit to him that says, go after the lost so that they can be found. Second, I think Jesus' heart broke for those that were disconnected for God. You know, he, he sat over the, the city of Jerusalem. He just wept for the lost. His heart broke for the lost. And it's my hope that as we get into this, this time of reading, as we follow along in these times of sermons and we gather, that our heart just begins to break for that person that we've, we've labeled on, on this Coke bottle. And that we, we, we're being held back from inviting. We're, we're being held back in our boldness. Because we, we, we see them as a soul now and not just not just as a someone. Or number three, another reason you should invite is because God doesn't want anyone to die without Jesus. That sounds like a pretty big deal. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine says, God is patient. You recognize this? The breath you have right now, God's being patient with you. The breath that, the, that your one has right now, God is being patient with that person because he wants everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost. Everyone to turn from sin. You see, God doesn't want your one or my one to be lost any longer. He wants them to join the party. You've got the invitation. He's put it on you. He's put it on you, his servant, to go into the alleyways, go into the streets, go into the country lanes, and, and grab your one and bring them in. Gather and go. Here's the fourth reason, the last reason. It's a matter of eternal life and death, right? Isn't it a matter of, this is the urgency here. This is why there's an urgency. There are people that are dying today in this minute, right now in this minute. They're dying today, right now. Every snap of the finger, people are dying, some with Christ, some without Christ. Many without Christ are dying. And they're going to be standing before the judgment seat of God, a perfect God. And they are not going to be covered by the perfect blood of Jesus like you are. They don't have the assurance of salvation like you sit and have right now. They don't have that comfort that you have of knowing that if you were to die in this second, that you have the assurance and hope of salvation, and Jesus Christ will be an advocate for you. He'll be your attorney and say, nope, nope, God, nope, I'm covering them, not guilty. All of our ones, if they were to die, stand before the Lord guilty, just like us, but the only difference is they have not been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ because they never accepted the invitation for it. You know, I love what Jesus says about the assurance that we can have a salvation. This is what I want for my one. This is what I want for your one. He says, truly, I tell you, anyone, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but pass from death to life. That's what I want for your one. And I hope that your heart breaks and that's what you say. That's what I want for mine. I don't want them under judgment. I want them to be saved by Jesus and have that assurance. That's what I wanted for James. I wanted him to be saved by Jesus and have that assurance. And every time I kept asking, he kept saying no. And every time I kept accepting an invitation, extending it, he'd say no. So for months, no, Matt, I'm not going. No, Matt, I'm not going. Leave me alone. No, I'm not going. So I came up and I got strategic as a sophomore in high school. I thought, I know he doesn't like being at his aunt and uncle's house. And I know he's not going to go to church with me. So what I'll do is I'll have him spend the night on a Saturday night and have to go to church with me on Sunday morning. See what I'm saying about use your leverage here a little bit? 
He doesn't want to be his aunt and uncles. Sure, Matt, I'll spend the night with you. Oh, hey, by the way, we're going to church on Sunday morning. Ugh, right, yeah? So we go to church on Sunday morning. I'm, exci- I'm, I'm totally excited. I'm totally excited. He's my one. I'm thinking this is going to be great. I'm inviting him to all my friends and, and showing him off. And hey, this is James. Many of them knew him already. And I'm showing him, Jason, this is James. And uh, I, I was like, so, you know, Jason, you better have a good sermon today, right? You've done that to me. I did that to my youth pastor. I don't know how many people on si- the 16th will be like, is it going to be a good sermon that I'm inviting? <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be. I just make the jump like evil can evil, and I hope I land it. That's all I do here. And I remember being so self-conscious, like, I hope this goes well. I remember asking James how to go. He's like, oh, it's okay. And so I just thought, oh, well, that, that didn't go over well. And about midweek through the next week, he finally comes to me and says, hey, are you going to church next Sunday? I'm like, yep. He's like, well, pick me up, would you? Okay. Yeah, I'll pick you up. And that went on for like the next year and a half. Hey, pick me up, would you? Yeah, pick me up, would you? Pick me up, would you? And, and he, he never missed a Sunday. And then one day you started seeing like some faith being developed in James. He wanted to make some action steps. And one day we're at our best friend's house and, and he had a pool there. And James just said, hey, we've been talking a lot about baptism. I want to be baptized. We all went to the pool, and James was baptized into Christ. And I'm thinking, awesome, I finally get to drink my Coke now, you know? And he's baptized into, into Christ, and he's... I remember going to the refrigerator in my house that night and getting the Coke bottle that was out of date. And I popped the top, and there was no fizz left. <laughs> and I guzzled it down, and it was the best taste in Coke I've ever had in my life. Not because of the taste, but because of who it represented and what it represented. You know, James, uh, James and I went to high school together, and then I moved to the Midwest for college, and, and he went to the Army. He had some tough years in the Army, found himself in Seattle. He settled into a church in the Seattle area, uh, got married, had some kids, and he went into ministry. And James... Uh, is a church planter in the Seattle area. And right now he started a church in Gig Harbor, Washington a couple years ago, if you remember James preached here. And uh, I had no idea. The power of an invite. How it wouldn't just change his life and my life, but how many other countless lives that, that invite has changed. Friends, you have no idea the power of your simple invite. Here's what the Bible tells us in James chapter five. You can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. You are that person. And my big question to you is this, is there anyone going to be in heaven because of you? Is there anyone gonna be in heaven because of you? Today, define your one. Pray for them and invite them to be with you at church. And for some of you, you're thinking, man, I, I haven't even come to Jesus. I'm the one that needs to be invited. I'm inviting you today. I'm, I'm giving you the card that says you're invited to the party. Will you come? What, quit the excuses. Quit the excuses today. Like my people aren't here to watch me be back. Quit that stuff. This is about you and the Lord, not about you and your family. This is about you and the Lord, about you making a commitment to the Lord. And he has extended you an invitation to come to this party. I wouldn't wait another breath. I would just come. That invitation is extended. You know where he stands. He wants you a part of the party. You come to him. Let's gather together and let's go with that life-changing message of Jesus. And if you're someone that says, I want to come to Jesus today, I'm asking you in just a moment after we pray 
to meet me here at this baptistry. And maybe you're someone that needs prayer in your own life. We'll have some pastors here you can pray with us. Maybe you just want to come and kneel at these steps and pray for something that's going on in your life. And, and no one will bother you. Just come and pray. But let's stand together right now. And let's, uh, let's thank our God for the salvation he's given to us in Jesus. <clears throat> okay. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus. And we don't want to keep him to ourselves. May we gather as we've done and may we go. May you press upon us that person that's disconnected but needs you desperately. And may we be so bold with your spirit to reach out with a simple invitation which could change their life forever. So Father, as we've been challenged, may we arise to the challenge knowing full well that this is expected of us because you expected of us. But we're not at it alone. You have given us your spirit. So may we go boldly. In Jesus' name we pray.